When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yes. Long Cat Media presents Madame Magenta, Sonos Mystica. Chapter 26. Greetings, fans of the esoteric. It is I, Magenta, and... Bernard is here also. Yes. So we're going to jump straight in because we've got to a bloody exciting part. Yes, we keep leaving them on dramatic cliffhangers, don't we? It's almost like I've designed it like that very cleverly. Yes. Mm. So this is chapter 23. Here we go. Musical flourish. I didn't ask for an explanation. Oh, should I? Should we include a bit of the last yes, chapter? Yes, let's just remind people it's what's happening. It's a bit happened. weird starting with I didn't ask for an explanation. That That is rather obtuse, isn't yes, it? Yes, yes. All right. So, uh, go on. So, well, well essentially, uh, they've just concocted a plan to try and get Fazir on his own uh, to, so that the angel Gabriel can appear to him individually and not reveal himself to anyone else. Uh, uh, but Derek has just said... No, I don't think that's the explanation. But if, the, if they don't know that bit, Bernard, they need to go back and listen to the whole thing again. Well, yes, The but, whole thing from chapter one. But I was just getting to it, my dear. But I was, so, I think you should just do the last two lines of page 166. Go on, off uh, you go. Well, all, all right, if you, if you insist. Because it won't be entirely like it was before. Derek says. It'll be like an emergency booster shot. You're not going to like it. Chapter 23. I didn't ask for an explanation. We don't have time for that. And part of me is a bit worried about this thing I may not like. So minimal detail seems the safest option. So what's the plan? Derek asks, trotting along beside me as I weave my way along a circuitous route to the men's lose. I don't want Fazir spotting me. As far as he's concerned, my part in his ring-related adventure ended a few hours ago. It would be disastrous if he knew I was here. I check my phone. 32 minutes to get the rings back before he boards the plane. Not long at all. Plus, my plan relies on Fazir staying put until the last minute. If he's a keeny beanie, he may well head towards his departure gate earlier than necessary. Derek is still chatting. I know. You could go up to Fazir and glamour him into thinking you're his dead brother. And you can tell him that you want to have a look at the rings. I stop and turn to Derek. I really don't have time to point out how thick Derek is, but I just can't help myself. Oh, good plan, Derek. How much glamour do you think we have again? About ten minutes worth, I'd say, if we're lucky. Okay, so how long do you think it'd take Fazir to get over the shock of seeing his long-deceased brother, greet him, ask him where he's been, why he's pretended to be dead for two decades, then have a conversation about the rings, and then actually get him to hand the rings over? Less than ten minutes? And if by some miracle he does give me the rings in that time, do I just say thanks very much and leg it? Because sprinting through an airport with someone else's belongings wouldn't end well, I'd imagine. <sighs> Derek looks a bit annoyed. 
Well, all right. He snaps. So what's your plan, Miss Genius? Oh, dear. Mine's not exactly foolproof, either. You'll see, I say tersely. I turn to Gabriel, currently schlepping behind us while attempting to look as bored as possible. Gabriel, you are to wait in the men's toilets over there. I pause. You don't need any special circumstances to become visible, do you? Well, now that you mention it... Gabriel draws. You need to draw a pentagram on the bathroom floor and recite a specific incantation in Latin. What? How bloody long is that going to take? I'm kidding. Gabriel smirks. Wow, you're super uptight. He flicks his long fringe out of one of his eyes and sighs, wearied by my lack of cool. You need to chill. My fists clench involuntarily. If there's one thing I hate, and there's not, there's dozens, it's being told to relax, especially by some celestial hipster. Look you, I hiss, and poke him in the chest. A small electric shock runs up my finger bone. Judging from your reaction earlier, it's fairly important we get these rings as soon as possible. Am I right? Before, say, Fazir decides to casually slip them onto his fingers, which he may well do at any time. Gabriel's praying mantis face looks slightly less insouciant. I've obviously scared him. Good. So I'd say it's probably necessary for us to be a little tense, because then we're less likely to fuck it up. So, I bark, and both Gabriel and Derek jump as does the woman perusing a pyramid of Toblerones nearby. Just do as I say, shut your mouths, and no one gets hurt. With that, Gabriel obediently sulks off to the bathroom, and I head to a small area behind a freestanding advertising board for some kind of car, which blocks me completely from Fazir's sightline should he look up from his newspaper. I pull out my mobile phone and pretend to speak into it, so that I can talk to Derek without any more of the general public becoming alarmed. Okay, I begin, but Derek interrupts me. Who are you calling? He asks stupidly. Jesus Christ, Derek, I say. It's like planning a heist with the Three Stooges. You're calling Jesus Christ? He says. Isn't he (laughs) ex-directory? Derek grins, pleased with himself in his hilarious joke. So much for my Sergeant Major pep talk. Clearly I'm not as scary as I think. (laughs) It's very funny, I say. And then adopt a brisk, business-like tone, phone still to my ear. Okay, Derek, give me the juice. I'm ready. Let's go, go, gadget glamour. I look at him expectantly. Derek nods. Right. He says slowly. I'll explain how it works first. I know how it works. Don't explain, just do it. No, 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 no. You need to know how I'm going to transfer. I cut him off. 26 minutes until Fazir heads to the gates, Derek. So no, I don't need to know. Just do it. Derek heaves a sigh. I peer past him towards the male toilets. The attendant is still in there, thank God. And then, without any warning, Derek steps into me. Ah, I screech, reflexively jumping backwards to escape. But Derek doesn't budge. Every vein, artery and capillary in my body fills with freezing spectral mist. It percolates through my senses like iced mocha frappa grappa spearmint macchiato, even briefly restricting the flow of airs in my lungs like I've just jumped at a Swedish lake. I can no longer see any part of Derek, but I can feel him in me. Not like that. Despite the fact he's four inches taller than me and considerably larger framed, he's completely contained within the perimeters of my body. I shan't be telling Bernard about this. Sorry, Bernard. Yeah, well, I wiggle my toes and flex my neck, the eerie cold sluicing through every millimeter of my flesh. The sensation is not pleasant. But it's not just cold. It's also electrifying. It's a quadruple shot of espresso to the soul. Market that, coffee pimps. It's a bit much, to say the least. I can see why he thought I wouldn't like it. 
Woof! I breathe out, trying to relax into it. My breath creates a little cloud of frozen mist in the dry airport air. Derek? I whisper. I'm here. Let's get this over with. He says inside my head. Power up! I declare, sensing the magic crackling like static in my veins. I hadn't noticed it when it had gone, but I feel its return now in every inch of me. I start striding towards the men's toilets, images flying from my mind and manifesting around me as I go. Ooh. Crikey. What a chapter. I'm glad you didn't tell me about that at the time. No, no, what did what nonsense did I make up? Oh, I can't remember, but it certainly wasn't that. No, well, it, it wasn't remotely sexual. I'm Berlin. sure, I'm sure. I trust you implicitly, my dear. Should we? Because that's that's very exciting, isn't it? I feel like we can't leave people there, and also it was only four pages. Well, all right, let's, let's do one more little one. Chapter 24! Hi. I'm Yusuf Dahl, and when I was 18, I was convicted of selling drugs. For the past three years, I've had difficulty finding housing because it is legal in the United States to discriminate against individuals that have a past drug distribution conviction on their record for life. It doesn't matter if it was a hard drug like heroin or a drug that's now legal or partially legal in many states across the country like marijuana. The Thurman Amendment was introduced to the Fair Housing Act in 1988 by segregationist Strom Thurman, and it's since been used to deny housing to all people. But because people of color are disproportionately jailed for drug charges, we are affected more. My goal is to overturn this amendment to start an end to housing discrimination that unfairly targets people of color. If you would like to join this movement, please visit ThurmanAmendment.org to learn more. A message from the Fable and Folly Network. Do you want to be the toilet attendant as well? Oh, I'm playing all the characters now, aren't yeah, I? Yeah, well, why not? I'm, I'm not going to stretch myself. Shall I, shall I do this one in a Scottish accent or something? No, why not? Go, go for it. Why hasn't my boss told me about this? You're very good at this, you know, Bernard. Oh, you should you. be a voiceover artist. Oh, I don't know about that. No, maybe not. Anyway, do that again. Why hasn't my boss told me about this? The toilet attendant cleaner queries suspiciously, peering up at me from behind thick glasses as we stand in the men's bathroom. He's tiny. He reminds me of one of those toy-sized handbag dogs. Goggly eyes and bony little limbs and stubborn as hell. Because, I state authoritatively, in my ethereal glamour disguise as an anti-terrorist officer, it's very hush-hush. We can't afford to let too many people know. Time is of the essence, so I really must have your cooperation. I'm projecting a look that's as terrifyingly butch as possible. Six foot five, big black helmet, black bulletproof padded vest that reads special officer in white letters and a massive machine gun. And this little shit still won't give me the keys to the ruddy bathroom. I also need you to help me clear everyone out of here, I say, waving a hand around the spacious airport loo. He's still just standing there, scratching his pointy little chin and shaking his head doubtfully. It doesn't make much sense to me. He grumbles. Why do you need the bathroom empty? There's nothing in here. I've just checked. It's part of my duties. I haven't got time to explain, I half shout. For crying out loud, I've got about nine minutes left before I can't glamour anymore. And I've still got to go and get Fazir. Right, I've had enough. Everybody out of the toilet, I bellow and start striding round the occupied cubicles. There are about 12 people in here, four in cubicles, five at urinals, I'm trying not to look, and three washing their hands. Hopefully no one's in the middle of a number two. Do you want to do this guy as well? Yeah, we're right. 
What's going on? Demands an older, bald chap with outraged of Tunbridge Wells written all over his jowly face. Nothing to be alarmed about. I ignore him and shout to everyone in general. I'm looking for drugs. There are drugs somewhere in this toilet. Everyone needs to leave the toilet. Do not tell anyone about this. Once you have left, you will only create panic. I repeat, do not tell anyone about this. Panicky sweat prickles my forehead. Despite my orders, one of them might immediately tell an airport official, which means I absolutely have to lock Fazir in the toilets within the next few minutes and pray that the angel can do his thing before we get interrupted. Once everyone's gone, I thrust my hand at the cleaner. Key, please, I demand, palm upturned. He unhooks it reluctantly from his belt and hands it over. Finally, bloody hellfire. How long is this going to take? He grumbles. Not long, I say, realising that he'll be the first to go and complain to someone. I fix him with a powerful glare. You are not to tell anyone about this until the operation is complete. A lack of discretion could result in the perpetrators escaping, which could threaten our national security. Not bad for improvisation, eh? Seems a wee bit fishy to me. He mutters, trundling his trolley out of the door. I follow him out and quickly lock it behind me, racing through the plan in my head. The bloody cleaner trundles back to me just as I'm about to leap into phase two. What are you doing? He exclaims, outraged. Aren't you even staying in there? I thought you were looking for drugs. Sir, I splatter, wanting to shake the little bastard. Stop questioning me, and you need to clear away from the immediate area. Just go over there. I say, pointing into the general distance. He trundles slowly off, a peevish expression on his puckered face. Right, phase two. I scuttle off to the partial cover of the car advert board, feeling the cleaner's bulging eyes boring into the back of my glamoured flak jacket. Once there and out of sight, I drop the disguise and move swiftly towards the coffee place where, thankfully, Fazir is still sitting. I now have five minutes to get Fazir across a distance of about 40 feet and into the toilet before the glamour wears out. While I walk, I conjure a new set of images and send them swirling into the air around me. A new disguise settles into place just as I reach my mark. Sheikh Fazir, I trill, standing in front of him. I cock a hip and beam at him. Fizzy's eyes bug cartoonishly as he looks up. I'm now the sexiest air hostess you've ever seen. I've combined every hot starlet of the past 50 years into a seething pot of raw sensuality and dressed her in a tight pink uniform. Are you Fazir as well, dear? Oh, yes, I think I was, wasn't I? I was doing him as Scouser, wasn't yes. I? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Says Fazir, eyes on stalks. Everyone else in the vicinity is also having a good gawk. I turn the smolder factor down slightly. I don't want to draw unwanted attention. May I see your flight ticket, please, sir? I purr, pouting. Fazir reaches into his pocket and hands it over without question. Such is the power of beauty in a uniform. I pretend to look at it. I think we've got about four minutes left. Derek whispers in my head. As I thought, I say, looking up from the ticket and smiling reassuringly. Can you come with me, please? There's nothing to worry about. And with that, I turn on my red patent heels and start walking away from him. Not giving him a chance to argue, I sway my ass hypnotically for good measure. The shake catches up, his robe swishing around him. I quicken my pace. Is there a problem? He says briskly, unpleasantly, obviously not as taken with the hostess as I'd hoped. It doesn't matter. We're almost at the toilet door and I'm still holding his ticket, so he has no choice but to follow. 
I focus on the bathroom and project more images into the air, turning it into the entrance of an exclusive-looking private lounge. No problem, I trill. Quite the opposite, in fact. Mmm, I add mysteriously, not actually knowing what I'm going to say next. Well now, it's not as if I've had long to plan this. I stop in front of the toilet stroke exclusive private lounge and smile winsomely at the frowning face of Vizier. I take out the toilet cleaner's key. What is this? Vizier demands, checking out the entrance I've conjured. As I'm only projecting suggestions and Fizzy's mind is filling in the details, I can't be entirely sure what he's seeing. But I know that it'll be an ostentatious display of exclusivity and wealth. I can see that the very fact of its existence is confusing him, though. He's probably wondering why he didn't spot it before. I turn the key and the lock slides open. Why have you brought me here? Says Fazir, in a less aggressive, albeit still baffled tone. Good. The intoxicating waft of luxury is softening him up. Mr. Branson wants to meet you, sir, I warble. Mr. Branson? Fazir goggles. Yes, I say, pushing the bathroom door so that it swings fully open. But I thought Richard was in Antigua. Fizier says, his forehead creasing. He's not back until March. Shit, he actually knows him. Uh, surprise, he's come back early and he wants to say hello, I say, putting a hand on Fizier's meaty shoulder and attempting to guide him through the door. He automatically resists, too overcome by confusion to comply. I can't hold on much longer, Derek whispers in my brain. But I talked to him yesterday. Fazir begins. I don't let him finish. I manoeuvre myself behind his broad back and shove him forcefully into the bathroom. Ooh. That's it. That's the end of the chapter, isn't it? Ooh. We're well, very nearly at the end. Yes, although the plan appears to be going to plan. Alarmingly so, to plan, doesn't yeah, it? Yes, so although no doubt something will go wrong. Because that's the nature of storytelling, yes, isn't it? It's all full of ups and downs. Yes. I mean, obviously you can't just have, I have a plan, I did the plan, it worked. Everyone Hooray. went home happy. Yes. No, you've got to put put everyone through the ringer. All right, that's the end. Uh, uh, tune in next time, fans of, of me, Magenta. Madame Magenta was created and performed by Lindsay Sharman, with Lawrence Owen as Bernard. Music and sound design by Lawrence Owen. Artwork was by Claire Lafar. You can follow Madame Magenta on Twitter at Madame Magenta UK. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you can support it by going to coffee.com forward slash longcatmedia. That's ko-fi.com forward slash longcatmedia. For more information about this podcast, as well as our flagship drama series, Mockery Manor, please visit longcatmedia.com. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. If you love actual plays D&D, Hades, or Greek mythology and improv, be sure to check out Rogue Runners Volume 1 in the Blood to follow the adventures of Alexander the Great, King of Macedon, and Drunk Paladin. Oh, sorry. I guess now I'm Alexander the Grump. Rolf, part-time sorcerer, full-time boomer. Is it a sex thing? It was a sex thing! Arete, stealthy rogue and even thirstier mobster. Mm, have you bathed and brought to my tent? And Annie, legendary bard and chocolate milk fanatic. 
Together, these four wretched shades will battle their way out of hell for another chance at life, with a little help and hindrance from gods and monsters alike. Word of advice when you're opening up these things, you're supposed to say, Olympus, I accept this message, in some really serious voice. Take your place among the living again. Your tactics are adept, if too elegant for my tastes. My dear, saying no is never a crime. <laughs> You hit like a Philistine. You're not getting out of here alive, wretches. A pinky promise? A double pinky promise. When you die, you'll have to tell me all about it. Rogue Runners, an actual play audio drama made during the pandemic, all while maintaining proper social distancing. And I'll follow at a six-foot distance. How about a five-foot distance for D&D purposes? Sure. <laughs> okay. Ah!